I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Coming to you from Eggplant Studios in downtown Toronto, this is Jim Rats and Joints with Javon Shepard, Andy Routens, and Dan Gladman. Jim Rats and Joints is brought to you by Henderson's Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. For producer Dan Wong and myself, Jeff Cole, let's rack it up, Danny G. Well, welcome to the pod. It's a sunny, freezing day in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, December the 17th, as we approach the holiday break and the start of the new NBA season. Uh, so awesome to be talking again today with the front office of the Ottawa Blackjacks, the general manager, Mr. Javon Shepard, the assistant general manager, Mr. Andy Routens, and of course, the three of us make up the Jim Rats and Joints podcast. Uh, we're so happy to be talking and we're really happy that you are listening. Today is our NBA preview show, and I think we're going to do things a little different. I feel like people always start with the East. So we're going to start out West, which I, I can't help but feel has more intriguing storylines this season. And for me, it has to start in Houston. And I don't know, in the next five minutes, things could change. But I'm going to start with, with the general manager of the Blackjacks, Shep. And it's about James Harden. Is he going to last season in Houston? You know, I don't see it happening. One, he just hasn't showed to be committed to the team ever since, you know, the off-season moves of um, coach and, and GM. So I think there was, you know, those guys, he was committed to those guys over there. And now that things have changed, you're seeing it, right? A, a new, a new um, head coach. And you would have assumed that a guy that's supposed to be the cornerstone of the franchise would have been supportive and, you know, trying to get things off to the right foot, especially given, you know, you have some new pieces in John Wall and, and Boogie Cousins, um, some really good pieces at that. Um, so, you know, the fact that he's come into training camp or, or, and or preseason late, um, given it's already a condensed season and some, you know, circumstances that aren't the most ideal it says a lot and then i, I also seen a presser the uh press release the other day sorry not a press release a uh, press conference where he was he, he just wasn't engaged um you know and a reporter had asked him about his time in and uh, i think it was little baby or the baby's day parties that he spent you know a couple of days at when you know the, the rest of the team was in training camp and gearing up for the season and you can tell he just he just wasn't there mentally and and physically he looks a little bit shaped. So his commitment to the team is definitely isn't there at this point. And I think it'll be a tough situation for a new head coach, um, somebody that's been an assistant stepping into this role, 
now to really manage him. And I think that's the, you know, head coach's role is just to really manage players of this magnitude. I don't know if he's even suited for that. So, no, I, I think he'll be gone before midseason. Do, do you agree, Andy? Do you think there's any way that the Beard can survive this, or, or maybe that Houston can survive this season without having to make a move to uh, ship him off? Well, speaking of managing, you know, being Shep's subordinate now, I'm just wondering if I'm going to have to ask permission to speak now. You know, that... <laughs> no, no, no. Yo, we're all good. We're all you're you're all right, so cool. boss. <laughs> we'll take our GM hats off for a minute. Uh, take, no, yeah, honestly, we'll take our hats off. I think that, um, you know, I, I, I'm a James Harden fan, you know, by way of his game. I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of James Harden, the individual. Um, and I think even less so now, you have to feel really bad for Steven Silas to step in that role. Um, and, 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 you know, kind of take over the monster that James Harden's created. Um, I, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, question his commitment to this team. It's not hard to question his commitment to this team, uh, given the fact that he was spending time in Vegas and, and, and who else, who, who knows where else, while these guys and his teammates are, are in training camp, grinding it out, getting ready for the season. Um, you know, he's had, he's had two of the, arguably the best point guards in the league, maybe, maybe of all time in Russ Westbrook and, and CP3, and he squandered those opportunities. Um, you know, at, some, at a certain point, you kind of have to blame the Rockets organization, uh, you know, for letting this kind of circus happen. Um, you know, you can give James all the blame you want, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to management and how they're going to, uh, you know, try to tame that beast. Um, and, you know, it's out of control at this point, and I don't think there's anything they can do about it now except ride the wave and see what happens, but I doubt he'll stay uh, in Houston, you know, past the preseason. You know, not, not that I want to argue with a, an assistant general manager of a, of a professional team. I mean, who am I? Uh, <laughs> I actually agree with you, Andy, about um, uh, I, I have to ask, how did how did the Rockets let it get to this point? You know, I, I don't, where I disagree with you, I don't think what I think Westbrook was there a little starting to be past his prime. Same with Chris Paul. Um, I, I didn't really think either situation work but the truth is well to cover that point i would say that cp3 look what he did in, in oklahoma city you know he brought a very young inexperienced team to the playoffs yeah. um and you kind of have to wonder you know if james harden was really bought in and, and he and cp3 were on the same team could they have advanced past you know the, the western conference finals i think they had that ability and i think cp3 is one of the best in the game to do it for sure and, and they they were 12 minutes away in a game seven right um from upending Golden State, the Golden State team that had a healthy Steph Curry, a healthy Kevin mm-hmm. Durant, and they, they they were this close, and they really just kind of fell apart in that fourth quarter, you know. But the Rockets really were nothing before Harden get Harden never got there. My, my I guess my next question is, what can the Rockets do? I mean, you want to give away Harden for fifty cents on the dollar, or or even less? I don't know. I'm sure there's plenty of teams who would love to have Harden, but I don't know that many teams are willing to give anything up in order to make a deal happen. Uh, you yeah. know, I think you ha- they have to uh, make some moves, and if it comes at the cost of giving up Harden for nothing, I-, I think you may have to do it. You may have to run with it because at the end of the day, he's not committed to the team. He's not engaged, so it doesn't matter how big of a talent he is. If he's not there, it's empty calories. And I think, again, a big part that you have to be cognizant of is the character guys that you have. John Wall's been somebody that's been, you know, his character has been 
said to have character flaws, just as, as Boogie Cousins. So these guys are tough to manage. Now, you know, I, I think you play it out and see how those guys perform over the next little bit. And then, and then make some decisions from there. But I think that is a tough, it's a tough situation for management. It's a tough situation for any coach to deal with because I don't, I don't think it's solely James Harden anymore, but you have a trio of guys that could be problematic if things don't get on the right page. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Seth. Um, you know, I, I just don't see this this working out, you know, and, and not to mention that the resentments that his teammates would bear if he does decide to stay, I think it would be unmanageable. You know, it's definitely, you know, past a, a boiling point at this point, um, you know, given the fact that all the attention that he's drawing to himself and where he wants to be and how they can best suit his needs uh, to get him out of Houston while, you know, these guys are gearing in and locking in for the season. Well, if you you hope from the Houston Rockets standpoint that maybe in the first five, 10 games, something clicks. I mean, I, I think a roster with Wall, uh, a healthy DeMarcus Cousins and Harden could could really make some noise in, in the Western Conference. Um, another team that is intriguing in the West and in the state of Texas, and they're, I think they're on the come up and certainly their best player, Luka Doncic. Um, you, you look at the Dallas Mavericks, and I think there are much bigger expectations of them this year. A lot of the preseason talk um, already has Doncic as an MVP candidate and possibly the favorite. Um, I'm actually on that train. I, I think he will be the MVP this season. I think he's going to supplant Antetokounmpo, who I don't think, even for political reasons, would win it three years in a row, which is practically unheard of in the NBA. Andy, do, do, you, do you agree with me? Do you think Doncic is is at the end of these 72 games is going to stand out as the most valuable player? I don't know. That's going to be tough. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge Luca fan. I think, you know, everybody is at this point, um, you know, him being the basketball wizard that he is. And, and I think that he's, he's had such a great impact on the league thus far. I'm not sure he's ready to take it over as the MVP. You know, you're, you're going to have Giannis coming out, trying to make a statement after signing that five-year Supermax. LeBron is always in the conversation year after year. And who knows what James Harden could be up to, you know, decides to change his style of play. Like, I don't think that's an actual possibility, but, you know, the number, the sheer numbers he puts up are always something for conversation. But as far as the roster goes, I'm a huge fan of the Mavericks. You know, they added some muscle in James Johnson and kind of a bodyguard for Luca, you know, as some would say. Uh, but I think he's he's the ultimate vet to have on your team. A guy's willing to go to war and, and do the little things to win. Uh, you had another, another Supreme veteran in Courtney Lee, who's a great locker room guy. Uh, and then you get Dwight, Dwight Powell back from that Achilles injury. And, and that's going to that's gonna really bolster the roster. So I believe in Dallas. I think they have the potential to, to, to be Western Conference champions and, and make it to the finals. It's, uh, it's all going to be how uh, they, they gel together. Right. I think, you know, I agree with, with Andy um, in that I, I believe in Luka. Uh, he's a walking triple-double. I think he's mm-hmm. the league and he's proven himself because there's always the questions of, you know, is he really that good? Could be that he's coming from Europe and, you know, he's never played in America at the time. And I think he, he took the league by storm. Now, as for MVP conversations, I'm not too sure about that because if you're looking at the history of the NBA, that MVP has always come from, you know, the top, the top most winning team in the, in the NBA. So uh, Giannis, getting, Giannis being still in the conversation and, and the fact that the Bucks, um, you know, have been atop the East the last couple of years and the Lakers are still in the conversation. I think 
for Luca to be, you know, have a shot at it, the, the Mavericks on a whole have to win, right? And be, you know, finishing seventh in the West last year is it's not going to cut it for an, an MVP conversation. Will he be a candidate? Yes. He's going to be, he's going to put up great numbers. Yes. Am I a fan? Absolutely. But MVP right now, I think it's a bit premature. Uh, they just have to put some pieces together first and, you know, string some wins uh, to be in that, you know, one or two finish before he's in that conversation. You know, I used to make fun of quote, the pundits and, you know, people for, for raising the MVP conversation, even at midseason. And here I am asking you guys about it <laughs> before the season even starts. But I, I, I really think it is an intriguing story and it would be such a takeover Honestly, for him to even be in the discussion, but you know, you look at that team. If, if Porzingis is healthy, they do have Josh Richardson now. Andy, you mentioned a couple of other like you know blue guys, locker room guys. I, I could see Doncic averaging not just a triple double, but close close to thirty Quad triple double. <laughs> <laughs> a thirty triple double. Uh-huh. And if the if the Mavs do move up in the standings, if they if they could creep into fourth or fifth, which I actually think they can, um, I don't know. I, I I think the voters, you know, you have to look at the voters as well. And I just kind of think they're past LeBron. We we all had this conversation during the playoffs, you know. In in a lot of ways, you know, Shep, I think it was you who said here's the most valuable player and the most important player, because we weren't even sure if LeBron was the MVP of his own team. Um, I feel like if I'm prognosticating and looking to the crystal ball, I'm taking into account what I see from voting. We all know those guys are going to have amazing years. It's just a matter of what, what the voting goes. And I think, that they're, the voters are kind of looking for a fresh face. I, I don't know. I, I, I think Doncic. I think Doncic. Well, he's a popular enough guy, right? He's a Jordan brand guy. He, he has his own brand of basketball with his step back that's kind of taken over the world. And, and, and a lot of Hoopers have put in their arsenal. You know, I, w- I wish some, you know, he was a guy that I could watch in, in my prime playing basketball because I would have taken moves out of his book for sure. So let me ask you, DG, you came up with the question. So who do you see as this year's early MVP candidate? Look, I, I think uh, I think we've we've said some of the names. I think it, Luca's definitely. I want one name. Who's your guy? Yeah, <laughs> put him on the spot. I think it's going to be Luca. I'm 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 happy to say it. That that's my prediction. I I okay. I I do think Antetokounmpo's numbers might be up there, but mm-hmm. they might have a tougher time getting to first. Yeah. You know, Steph Curry is going to have a big voice this year. I mean. He could average he could average thirty five points and hit nine three pointers a game this year and and get the Warriors back into it. And Steph Steph could get consideration. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's a vote. It's very political, right? There's so much more to it than just who actually deserves it. And I I just think if if Luca averages a thirty triple double and the Mavs are in the upper echelon of the West, I do think he's going to get it. That's just how, how much yeah. of his- Success is contingent upon Kristaps staying healthy. I think the numbers are going to be there one way or another for, mm-hmm. for okay. It's just a matter of the for the team, right? If, if Porzingis right. is healthy, you got to think the Mavericks are a, are more of a contender. You know, I, I don't have them up there with the two LA teams in Golden State, but mm-hmm. 
why couldn't they, why couldn't they, you know, they're probably below number two, but why can't they creep into fifth even? And I think that kind of a jump for the Mavs with a guy 21, 22 years old, scoring 30 a night with a triple-double mm-hmm. uh, is is going to be the favored vote going in. a lot on Luca's shoulders, because if you're looking at this roster, this is not the prettiest roster. It isn't, so, right? It's not. It really isn't. So, you know, your comment, and a lot is weighted on Luca, and even more on Przingis to mm-hmm. be impactful, but most importantly, stay healthy as well. Um, you know, this there's a lot there's a lot on the shoulders, and I, I think you know if this was the East, even though the East has gotten better, there would have been more of a conversation. But in in the West, there's no nice off. There's mm-hmm. no nice off, and I think it it'll be tough. And he's gonna have to put up exceptional numbers. And I you know the other factor to this is that he's put up great numbers, triple double throughout you know pretty much a walking triple double. But now you have to do that and be conscious of rest in your body because again it's a condensed season and there's you know the double triple the back-to-back nights that you're going to be playing. So mm-hmm. uh, to get up to that level every night is even harder now and do that into going into playoffs as well. So Right, because we saw the kind of beating that he took in the bubble. I mean, down the stretch, he looked like he was, uh, you know, he was worn thin uh, with the physicality, especially with the way that Morris was playing him. Um, you mm-hmm. know, he did wind up rolling his ankle. You know, that, 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 that type of responsibility uh, really takes a toll on you, especially with the condensed season like this. So you're right, Shep. And he's, you know, as a heavier body, I seen him a bit in preseason. He looks a bit uh, heavier, which I'm sure he'll shed over time. But he's also many of those Euro breakfasts, a lot of ham, and, <laughs> ham and cheese and croissants, huh? <laughs> but also a guy that plays pretty physical himself. So as much as he's inflicting, mm-hmm. every time you dip that shoulder into somebody, it is contact, right? You mm-hmm. know, you're the one. Inflicting, but over time, that beats down on you as well as you know, defense bumping you off cuts and, and you know guys playing dirty with you. So. It's going to be tough, and, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that, and I said this before he even got into the NBA. So, um, mm-hmm. But just can't give him those reins yet until this team adds a piece or two more or, or they start to win. Okay, I, got, I, I know how we're going to settle this. In, in May, June, when the NBA hands out the hardware and we're all up in Ottawa for the uh, – season debut of the blackjacks mm-hmm. if i'm right and lucas mvp you guys are buying the ham and cheese and croissants <laughs> okay done so, and, done. So, and if someone so else MVP, i'll buy so who's getting me a drink for predicting that Giannis was going back to milwaukee <laughs> oh okay yeah you, so know, I, you are right i thought i i i thought he was gone i thought he was gone Let, let's let's stay in the west for now let's talk steph curry um uh, Kind of, to me, him and LeBron were the shining stars of the league, you know, even two years ago for that, for those four or five years when it was just Cavaliers and Warriors year after year. And now, you know, the Warriors have gone through some things. They've lost Kevin Durant. They lost in the finals to Toronto. And last year, they just kind of fell flat. Injury, no playoff. Here they are now. They're retooled. They're regunned. Clay Thompson's going to be out again. But Steph does have help. Wiggins is there, Draymond Green, Kelly Oubre Jr., and a promising rookie named James Wiseman. But more individually, do you think Steph, let's start with you, Shep. Do you think Steph will be at exactly the same form that we've come to expect from him? He'll be at 
top form, but he won't be at peak form from what we've seen. And I think that's more so because, you know, Clay, his running mate, also put a lot of pressure on defense because he can stretch the floor and he can do so many things. He's an offensive threat. Hell, he scored, what was it, 50 points off of it, or is it 60 points off of his 11 dribbles? That just goes to show you, um, you know, what type of threat he is. So now teams, and, and, and it's no knock at Andrew Wiggins, you know, he's a, he's a huge threat in himself, but it's, they're different. You know, when you have a guy like Clay Thompson and the Andy Routens of the world that, can, you know, yeah. are, are and cannot, you know, knock that three ball down, it opens up the floor for so much more and the defense is forced to play on it. So, you know, now I, I think teams will be able to shrink the floor a bit more and, you know, sort of contain step a bit, a bit during the season. So be a bit more physical with him because there's not that X factor in Clay on the perimeter or slashing that, you know, can score at will. Look, I think that Steph has had time to recalibrate, like you said, DG. He's had time to recharge his batteries. They went to the finals five years straight. And I think that year off for him, you know, kind of came as a blessing uh, for him to be able to rest his body, kind of get back the energy that he needs to carry a team to the finals again. To me, what's most concerning is their front court. I mean, looking it's looking really thin. I know they drafted James Wiseman. Um, who has a huge upside, but still might be a little bit underdeveloped. Marquise Chris is, has had some maturity issues in the past, uh, and, and his development is, is, has been slow, to say the least. Kevin Looney, obviously, is an experienced guy, but he's not a go-to center by any means. So it's going to be interesting to see how they make up, uh, up for that. And, you know, I, I love Andrew Wiggins. You know, I think he's one of the most overhated players in the league, if, if you could say that. Uh, you know, he's a 20 point per game guy for his entire career. Uh, I think he just needed to find the right situation to be around the right group of guys to win uh, and finding that motivation for a championship. I think he's going to be an entirely different beast or, or let's say I hope he is at least. Um, and Kelly Oubre Jr. I, I mean, that to me, that's one of the main acquisitions of the offseason uh, for any team. I think he's the jack of all trades. He brings energy every single night. Um, he, he's tough. He can knock down a three. Uh, you can attack relentlessly. So I think that's going to be a great piece to kind of supplant that Thompson uh, uh, three-point ball that they're going to miss. Uh, and they're going to make up some some uh, they're going to make up some big offensive uh, capabilities with him. Yeah. You know, I, you know what I like about them as well, I think that James Wiseman, despite being a rookie, is going to really help this team. I think a guy like Wiggins is actually going to thrive more having somebody mm-hmm. down in in the paint that's going to be a shot blocker and have be a presence at the rim because now, you know, Wiggins and Asti and Wiseman gets a, a, a shot blocked. Mm-hmm. Wiggins is out on, on, you know, on a fast break. Highlights on the other end playing fun basketball. So mm-hmm. I, I'd be interested to see how, how he, you know, how he transitions into his role or, you know, being a rookie on a, you know, a team like this. And I think it's a perfect situation for him because you have a veteran like Draymond Green, you have Steph to learn from. Mm-hmm. And Draymond being as vocal as he is too, that's you know as soon as he as soon as he got drafted, he had told him you know nobody cares. Like the next the following day, nobody cares. It's mm-hmm. time to work. So I think when you have a, a a leader like that, and then you have somebody on the on the wing that well, Ubre, Wiggins, and Steph on your perimeter, it'll be a great fit for him. Just you know be a presence through the little things, run up and down the court, rebound, block shots, and get these guys should have fun running. So I think Wiggins is going to have a really have a breakout year. Well, that that, that would be nice to see. Um, I I think the Warriors are a question 
Um, but I don't think Curry is. I think Curry's going to be pretty spectacular this year. Thompson not being there will hurt the team overall. Um, but I think there are so many weapons on the court surrounding Steph that he's still going to have so many, I don't want to say open shots because there's always mm-hmm. going to be like glued to him. But I think, I think you're looking at Steph averaging 30 this year. That, that's my, that's my prediction. There. I'm fact, with you on that one, DJ. I think he's going to get more shots than ever with, with no, no Durant. So I, I think Curry's going to uh, shake up the league yet again. Uh, let, you know, we talked about Wiggins, and when you talk Wiggins, we always think about the Canadian players, and, you know, Jamal Murray really kind of moved into that pole position as, as maybe the best Canadian player at the moment. Um, the Nuggets have had a couple of good regular seasons, and they had a great playoffs last year. If they go really far this year, it, it will have an impact on Canada's chances of getting to the Tokyo Olympic Games because that qualifying tournament uh, in Victoria is scheduled to take place around the same time as the later rounds of the NBA playoffs. But that's a story for another day. I'll, I'll ask you this, and let's go to Uh Will the Nuggets improve on what they accomplished last season, and what would that look like? I mean, to me, they have the capability to be Western Conference champions. I think that, you know, had a great deal of experience this year taking the Lakers to the brink. Um, I think they're just going to build on that. You know, they have an MVP in Nikola Jokic um, and Jamal Murray as well. And and not to mention this, this quote unquote rookie bowl bowl. I'm really interested to see, interested to see what kind of uh, addition he's going to be to the team. I think he's got a huge skill set at seven feet plus. Um, and, and Michael Porter Jr. obviously had a breakout season last year. And I think that the sky's the limit for him. Uh, and his mentality is just to go get buckets. I mean, that kid just—he doesn't care. And and when you're fearless like that, and, and you have uh, leaders like Jamal Murray and, and and Jokic, I think that you know, sky's the limit for this team in the West. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think you know they have some really good pieces that are just going to continue to grow up with what they did last year. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see how you know, our Canadian, our homegrown, does with with Murray this season because he showed his his potential in the bubble. Now. Mm-hmm it's time to, okay, cement my status. Like if I, I come out and perform the same way I did, I'm, I'm in that superstar conversation. Now. And I think a lot is going to be anchored on that and the success of this team um, and, and how well Murray plays because one, the scouting report is out, teams know what he does. And, and a lot of guys, you know, took offense. They were, you know, you appreciated why it was happening, but now, you know, other guards, they, they're not going to allow that to happen to them, him to just expose them night in, night out. So, you know, he has to be built for what's about to come. And I think, you know, a great a great addition, Andy, you're probably familiar with him too, is uh, Campazzo, who is another Baku Campazzo. Yeah. Our guy. I really like his um, game. He just came fresh out of Real Madrid. Yep. And he knows how to play, man. He, he knows how to play basketball. I've seen him last night in the preseason game. They stumped Portland, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, obviously, it is early, so I'm not going to say nothing there, but I mean, he, despite his size, like he has big heart. And, and, you know, Coach Malone had said that you can't measure him by his size at all. He's tough and he's crafty. And he's, he's been playing professional for, you know, more years than all of us were even born. You know, they start really early in Europe. So um, he has a lot of years under his belt. So I think he's going to be a good addition. And, and he's just going to bring another mind to, to these young guys. You know, I, I wonder if he, he would draw comparisons to J.J. Barea. 
to be what JJ is to Dallas, uh, uh, you know, for, for the Denver Nuggets. I think he can play that role of facilitator. He's done it time and again in, in Real Madrid and he's proven to be a world champion. Um, so I think that he, he has all the skill sets and the tools to do that. He, he has the speed, undoubtedly. Uh, I think he's, he's a great addition with a lot of uh, experience that will, that will bolster this roster for sure. And you can see why the Canadian Elite Basketball League's Ottawa Blackjacks hired this team of Javon Shepard and Andy Routens to run the squad and bring in players. These guys have a wealth of knowledge of the players across the pond. Um, I, I've never seen Campazzo play, but now I'm expecting the world from him and the Nugs. Let's, let's get into some rapid-fire questions, guys, and really just, you know, Quick answers here, Shep. Which which of the two LA teams is going to win more regular season games this year? Lakers. <laughs> yeah, I think it's safe to say the Lakers. To me, the Clippers just feel like the same team with different faces. But didn't the Clippers? Oh yeah, I guess the Lakers did uh, finish in first last year. So I, I, I think the Lakers are a much better team than they were last year. The team that won the championship. So I think we're all in agreement there. Okay. Andy, which of the of of these three Western teams I'm going to mention has the best shot of making the playoffs this year? Oklahoma City, Phoenix, Sacramento. Ooh, that's tough. Um, I don't know. I like OKC. I, I like OKC a lot, especially under the direction of, of Shy. I think he is one of those you know unique talents that can take over an organization. He's learned the game from CP3, and I think he's proven uh, that he is one of the top point guards in this league, and, and, and uh, they, you know, they have a solid roster behind him. Um, you know, Sam Presti has done an outstanding job in free agency, um, and, and I think that they have, you know, the best chance over Phoenix and Sacramento to reach that spot. I'm going with Phoenix on that one to make that playoff push because oh. I think they – did I hear some rebuttal there? <laughs> no, I'm intrigued by your selection. You know, that's a, a young team that, one, they have some really big talent. Devin Booker, you know, enough said about him. Like he, he, he's just a player. and that you, A guy like that uh, is valuable. Now, DeAndre Aiden is, is a key piece of that to me because this is a guy that's 20 and 10 and a big body. Like, we're not really seeing this type of center in the NBA um, of late. So I think he can really change, you know, how teams approach them defensively, how, how they play offensively. And I think to the two key additions in Jay Crowder and Chris Paul, one, you gain, you know, some mentorship for Devin Booker. And you see how that turned out in OKC for with Shea, given, you know, that team had no, OKC's team had no business in the playoffs last year. And with Chris Paul's mentorship and guidance and experience, they were able to accomplish that. And then you also add Jay Crowder, who, Final, um, you know, took a ride to the finals with Miami, another team that probably shouldn't have been where they were. So you have two guys that know how to win and know and will be able to bring this team, put this team on their back, which, which they've needed. Right? They've definitely had the talent, but now they need that extra veteran push. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go against the grain on that one. When, you know, you got our guy Lugens Dort there who made an outstanding playoff performance and a name for himself in this league. You added Al Horford who has a wealth of experience and playoff experience as well. George Hill is another one of those guys, Trevor Reza. I think they're really rich in veterans, which helps these young guys um, throughout the season. And, and I think that, you know, adding Frank Jackson, a point guard, 
uh, bolstering the roster uh, with guys like Justin Jackson. I think that, you know, these guys are really going to grow under the direction of Shai, and, and I think that they have the best chance uh, to get to the playoffs. But do they lead, though? I think the difference there is that Chris Paul leads. I'm not too sure. I, think, I know those guys are veterans, but at the end of the day, can you take over a game and say, no, look, look, young boy, this is how we do it. This is how you do it. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to say it and then, you know, a guy be able to show it at the same time. So I, we've, so I seen, that, we've seen how Devin Booker does it, though. You know, he can get 100 points against a Boston team in a loss. You know, what else has he really proven besides being an elite scorer? Well, this is why this is why I say Chris Paul is, is, is you know, paramount. In his, me, is, is he not past his prime? I think DG just took a shot at him being past his prime last year. You also, wow. said, you also said he's one of the best, if not one of the best point guards of all time. So he has, well, Yes, he has been. He has been. Correct. I, it's it's an awesome it's an awesome debate, and you know what? Now that I think about it, I think there's going to be a play in round between uh, seven, eight, nine, and ten. So, you know, technically for for those three teams and maybe one other or two others, it's going to come down to a one game play in anyway. Um, why don't we play the exercise quickly of top eight in the West? Shep, what's your list? Eight, uh, Lakers, Clipper. Uh, this is tough. This is tough. Okay, let me let me go. The West is just so difficult. To pin that down. You didn't know. Huh? This is gonna get tough. So Lakers, Clippers. I'm gonna go. Is this in order or just top, just top? In order, baby. Order. Order. In order. In order. All right, let's go Lakers, Clippers, Denver, um, Portland. I'm going to go Portland. I'm going to put Portland up there. Wow. I think I have a um, – Golden State. What am I at, five? Am I at five? Portland. Dallas. Yeah, I'm putting them there, just just chemistry. Why not? They, and I'm not a Portland fan. They have to do something now. They have to get over the hump. Um, Houston, let's throw Houston in there. Phoenix and you haven't said Utah yet. Utah, there you go. Andy, top eight in the West. Chef, I got to give you credit, man. That was tough to do on the spot. So look, I'm gonna go with the Lakers, uh, the Clippers. I like Denver, Golden State, Dallas. I'm gonna throw Memphis in there. Wow. Uh, Utah and then Portland to round it out. Good stuff. I, I'm not going to do a top eight in the West. I am going to do it for the East later, but I am going to say that this is going to be the year we finally get the LA, LA uh, 310 area code West finals. I've been holding out for it. I thought it would happen last year. I think it's definitely going to happen this year. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A quick shout out to our sponsor, uh, Jim Rats and Joints is sponsored by Henderson Brewery in Toronto. 
The best beer is the beer you love. Okay, we've taken, we have broken down the Western Conference. I think we basically told everyone what's going to happen in the West this year. Nobody even has to watch now. Let's go to the East. And the big news of the week is Antetokounmpo signing the Supermax deal to stay with the Milwaukee Bucks. I was surprised to see a little bit of reaction online uh, in the media about whether he made the right choice or not. Jeff, was this, was this the right move for Giannis, or should he have explored other options? I, personally, I think he should have explored other options because I, I think where Milwaukee's concerned, they, they've hit their ceiling. Um, and for him, I think that's going to stump his growth as well because he's not going to get that exposure that he needs to a big market and the pressures of a bigger market. And I think that's where, you know, guys are, are makes or breaks guys, guys that, you know, pressure breaks pipes. So him just staying there, I think it's a comfortable situation. I don't even know what aspirations uh, Milwaukee has. And I, and I don't think their fans uh, put enough pressure on the team as well, given that they, you know, the top, top record in the in the last two years um it's it's comfortable it's a comfortable situation but i also understand that you know like i mentioned early on in in uh, it was maybe episode five or something like that um you know I, I believe Giannis comes from coming up in the european culture of basketball and belief you know he's forever indebted to the team that really gave him the chance Right. So I, and I think that just rolled over to here and it was more a situation like that than than anything. And, and you know, I, I seen a, him speak yesterday and he said, you know, he's extremely excited. Uh, you know, he can now take care of his mother, um, his brother, his, his kids. Mm-hmm. Um, he, can so he can take care of a bunch of small. <laughs> he can take care of all of us. Let's be honest. That humbling, considering if you think about if you think about his story and, and remember, he, he was actually just identified just laying around a gym um in greece i, th- I believe he was watching his his brother play or was it his brother or something he was you just identified as being around in the gym and used to sleep in the gym um between class and school so just a guy that's coming from that situation to you know you get a super max now and you're you're static to take care of your family so that means a lot so I, I i appreciate it i understand it and i respect it i just think as far as the franchise goes they've hit their ceiling mm. I mean, Shep, I share a lot of the same sentiments. I think that he made the right move as a human being, uh, you know, coming from a kid who who is, you know, peddling trinkets on the street to try to, you know, provide food for his family and, you know, sending money home as a rookie, you know, and and not even having a place to stay. You know, I think that he's he's done the right thing to secure his financial freedom and, and, and secure generational wealth for, from, for his family. Um, I think that this year would probably be the most telling out of all his five years, just to see the trajectory of where it goes. I think they were one of the teams that won the off season and with the additions of Tory Craig, Brian Forbes, a point guard, Drew Holiday, a point guard. I think they really, uh, you know, did a great job of, of securing their roster, Bobby Portis as well. And, and our own Nick Stauskas, you know, to, to kind of add to that, add to that perimeter. So I, I think that what's that? Michigan Wolverine, by the way. Just yeah, yeah, anyway. Anyway, yeah, snooze, snooze fast. Played for literally every team in the NBA, okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, no, I, I think that, you know, from from uh, from perspective, he did the right thing. I think that, you know, he's one of those guys that, that really 
you know, loyalty is part of his character. And I think he needs to abide by that. He has a five-year plan, as we've all seen. So so I applaud him for sticking to his guns and trying to build something special with an organization that really gave him something special. Uh, to be able to give that back and, and try to win a championship there in Milwaukee is, is uh, you know, speaks a lot about his character, um, you know, but, you know, it's tough to see as well because it is a small market team at the end of the day. And who knows, you know, what kind of third or fourth stars they'll be able to bring with that budget. I, I think you guys have raised uh, great points on, on either end of it. But for me, it boils down to the, the human decision, the personal decision, mm-hmm. and the only you know, you look at the reasons why maybe he would have left, what, to be in a bigger market? I mean, what? how would it have looked if he'd gone to one of the L.A. teams or, or even to Miami? You know, then you're, you're with the, the narrative of the same old thing, a free agent goes to a, you know, a, a, a sexy franchise. Yeah, play devil, let's play devil's advocate for a second. He stays with Milwaukee and they don't accomplish much more in the next year than the same narrative that a lot of other players endure is, experience is now can Giannis do it Giannis wasn't he was overpaid he never brought us the championship he's not a winner he's he's taking the burden on himself to to win there to win you know what he is he's one of the most respected he's one of the most respected guys in the league still just like Damian Lillard in Portland I think that's I think that's the problem worst case scenario the problem is that novelty wears off when you don't win and then it's it becomes a personal attack on you know, does the player have enough heart and so forth? So, I mean, there's always going to be a narrative. It just depends on, on which side of it you're, you're willing to stomach. I think Damian Lillard is, is a great example. He made it to the conference finals once. You know, they, they got swept by Golden State that year. Um, and Ted Akumpo has been to the conference finals once. He's still super young. Why, why can't it be on, you know, I don't see any reason the Bucks can't get at worst to the East Finals this year. I mean, I'll accomplish it there. Why do you, you know, that whole ring chasing thing, you know, we used to laud uh, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, because no matter what, they stayed with their franchise. Now we have a guy who does the same thing and he he takes a little heat like he should have left. I, I think that only comes those from... Those guys won. The difference was those guys, those guys won. So if he doesn't win... You know, the, the only thing that happens is that people start to nitpick at everything that he can't do. And if he wins, that that's a different situation. That's going to happen wherever he goes. And what if he? What's he going to go to Miami and be second fiddle to to Jimmy Butler? And and then if he does win, then everyone says, "Well, he had to go join a team that was already a championship caliber." I mean, it, mm-hmm. the, the, he's going to get that KD treatment. Now, yeah. what end of what end of the conversation? What end of the conversation do you want to be on? The, him being a winner or or not is him having a ring or not i mean for him it depends on what he can stomach at the end of the day i don't think it all boils down to a championship man i mean charles barkley never won carl malone never won you we can go up and down the list of amazing players who never won i i like that this guy stayed uh with the team that drafted him showed some loyalty and hey it doesn't look it's not bad anybody to have the richest contract in NBA history. Let, let, let's go to uh, the other team in the East that is super intriguing and possibly a favorite to win it, and that's the Brooklyn Nets head coach, Steve Nash. And of course, we'll finally see the debut of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving um, playing on the court together. 
are, are, is this combination going to put these teams, uh, are they going to win the most games in the East? Do they have what it takes right now? Andy? Ooh. Uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's too fickle of a situation. I feel like not, not, not a situation. I, let me, let me rephrase that. It's too fickle having Kyrie Irving on your team. Um, <laughs> to, to, to me, he's already doing all the wrong things to create an atmosphere of, of, of winning culture. You know, he's continuously making things about himself and, uh, you know, his, his, his stance on the media. And, 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 you know, these are, these are things that you do to pay your salary. So at the end of the day, you're obligated by the league to take care of this stuff. I know you have an agenda, you know, you can exercise that agenda outside the court when you don't have any of those responsibilities. But right now he's continuing to, to make this thing about him. And, and he's already reneging statements that he made about Steve Nash, not being a head coach. So, to me, it just seems like endless drama follows him around everywhere he goes. And if he can kind of rein that in, KD's going to be solid. KD's solid everywhere he goes. He's not, he's not, he's one of those guys who has a problem with the media, but he handles it in his own way. You know, create some burner accounts. That's, that's my advice to Kyrie. Create, create a few burner accounts, talk your shit, and be done with it. But if he can remain, you know, out of the media spotlight, if he can just do the bare minimum and, and stay solely focused on this Brooklyn Nets team, I think really the has a limit for them. They, they they should be Eastern Conference champions with the talent that they have in KD on the team. Yeah, I agree. I think this team will finish second in the East, and only and the only reason why I say they finish first is for the exact same reasons AR mentioned. I I just don't know how focused and how long uh, Kyrie can stay locked in for without getting distracted by you know his engagements in the in the media and, and so forth. Um, I mean, but that, that's personality. Maybe that's also part of what makes him great uh, and, and the player that he is. I'm a bit eccentric, but he also plays very um, eccentric. So um, that's, that's, you know, that's what makes him. I, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting duo because Kevin Durant is somebody that's said time and time again, he just loves playing the game and just happy playing the game of basketball. So, and, and you've even seen it in the preseason games. Um, that they've played is that, you know, when KD's on the court, he, you can see that that's his happy space, his happy, happy mm-hmm. place. Um, and, and sometimes Kyrie may compromise that uh, going into his own agendas. And I, I think they're going to bump heads a bit because they both need the basketball. And I, and I think mm-hmm. given the team is so as talented as they are, it's going to be tough for you to expect a Karis Levert, a uh, Spencer, then we need to just run up and down the court and play defense. Uh, without engaging them offensively, so I, I think they definitely do have talent. Um, you know, this is the, probably the team to watch in the East, but how they prevail is to be determined. Yeah, and I think you you know it kind of reminds me of that flare up that that KD and Draymond Green had. You know, I think we all know that that KD is a bit of a sensitive guy. Um, you know, and if it gets ugly in that locker room, I think it just spirals downward from there. So it's it's a really fragile environment that they have there, and if they can build the infrastructure of that and keep it solid and, and strong. I think, yeah, it's guys a limit for them. Yeah, we're forgetting a new, new coaching staff. This is not going to be coaching easy. staff as well. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of variables this season. For them. Yeah. And there, there's going to be a new coaching staff uh, with the Ottawa Blackjacks as well. Looking forward to uh, the announcement. Yeah. Feel, you know, feel free to drop that. We'll uh, <laughs> <laughs> leave that one to the GM. Yeah. I'll okay. leave that to Let's do it. Let's do a little bit of what I like to call hashtag T-D-I-T-R-H. 
this date in Toronto Raptors history, I know I was there. So we're going to December 17, 2001, 19 years ago today. The Raptors were at home to play the NBA champion Los Angeles Lakers at what was then called the Air Canada Center. It was one of those ice cold days and a Sunday matinee. People started working there around six in the morning. Coming off of their first playoff season, the Raptors had something to prove against the Lakers and led by 31 points from an inspired Vince Carter, pushed the Lake Show to overtime. But Kobe Bryant poured in 40, Shaq had 28, and LA won 104-101. It was a, a stretch over six years that would see the Lakers beat the Raptors in nine of 11 games, but the Raptors would eventually win their first playoff series. Um, actually, they had won the playoff series earlier that year, but they would go on to make the playoffs again uh, where they lose the, De- the Detroit Pistons in five games in 02. Uh, Shep, let's talk about the Raptors this season. What is a fair expectation for them to accomplish? You know, I don't think much changes for them. I think you can expect them to finish, have a top three finish in the East. Um, you know, I, I know the Raptors have lost two key pieces in Gasol and Ibaka, but, you know, when you're looking at the team's history over the last couple of years, you know, they've proven to be resilient. You know, they bounced back after a championship season and losing arguably the best player in the league at the time in, in Kawhi and then, you know, topped that by their most wins in franchise history. So um, the bar has been set for them. It's going to be hard to top it, but, you know, they have guys that are that have been in the program. Chris Boucher, who's, you know, a guy that developed in the program and, and, and came up, um, you know, had some time bouncing between the G League as well as, as the big team and then obviously signed a really good contract for him himself this, this past summer or not summer off season rather uh, and now there's going to be expectation on him to perform you know you have a guy like OG there's going to be space for these guys to, to grow now and show so I think given that they've had the mentorship of some of the guys they'll be fine they're going to step up and they're going to flourish and you add a guy like Aaron Baines who you know I think he's a better fit for the team right now than, than Martin saw because the game had sped up past Martin saw and the demand that you would need from him at that position, at the center position for this team, um, you know, was a bit much. So great situation for him. And, and I think, you know, you have some pieces now that are, are, are ready to step in and fill those voids. Um, I, I honestly, I think we have to be fair with our expectation of them having, you know, lost such a considerable amount of their of their core group. I think that, you know, for a fourth or fifth fifth finish in the East would would be really solid for them. Uh, you know, they have some new acquisitions in Aaron Barnes, uh, Alex Lynn, uh, who was who was really raw, by the way. Watching some of the preseason games, you can tell he hasn't really been on rosters or, or organizations that really want to win. You know, committing kind of lackluster fouls and, and kind of being in the wrong spot. So if the Raptors can develop him, I think that he can be a really powerful tool for this team. Uh, but they have retained, you know, a lot of their core. Uh, and I think that that will be enough to supplant them to, to get them a spot, uh, you know, the fourth or fifth spot. I'm looking for Matt Thomas to have a breakout year. You know, he led them in scoring one of the preseason games. I think that, uh, you know, he's, he's really kind of figured out the NBA game where his spots are. Uh, and, and, and I'm a big fan of, of, of one of our new guys, Utah Watanabe. Uh, I think that he adds a lot of length on, at the wing position. He's a lefty. I'm a huge fan of lefties as well. And last but not least, let's talk about Malachi Flynn. 
I mean, I, I think he's going to be a stellar point guard in this league. He already looks polished. He looks like he's playing at his own pace defensively. He looks like he has it figured out. So to have this early advantage, you know, uh, with the game figured out as a rookie, I think, you know, there's no telling how good he can be learning from guys like Kyle and Fred. And and, and I think, you know, I'm not alone in saying that you guys would agree with me that he reminds us of a, of a, of a young Fred Van Fleet. For sure. Absolutely. I was, I was, I've been thinking every time he's on the court, it's just crazy mm-hmm. to see how, how much similarities there is between the two. And mm-hmm. he's just so poised. But I also poised. think that's best word. Draft. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say there couldn't be a better word to describe him than yeah. poised. I, I when think... you draft that has some. Go ahead, GG. No, no, I was uh, say your thing because I'm going to wrap up this uh, topic. Okay, yeah. When you draft a guy that you know that has some experience under his belt, you get a guy that's a bit more mature, and he's coming as a sponge. I think in the, in their two preseason games, it, it's glaring that he's you know he play, went up against the top point guard in this draft class in Lamelo Ball, and and you know to me he outplayed him. Uh, Lamelo's ceiling may be a bit higher, but you know Malachi having uh, steady Freddie and and Kyle as mentors and coming in as poised and as seasoned as he is, and the fact that he can shoot the ball and play defense. You know he's gonna have a really long career. I think the the fact that Malachi Flynn is such a big story um, in the Raptors preseason it, it's a bit problematic to me. Um, I want to hear a more be hearing more about uh, Siakam improvement uh, where Van Vliet is, but you know in this first couple of weeks I'm hearing more about Malachi Flynn than anything. Look, I think top three in the East is Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Miami. I'm not sure of the mm-hmm. order. Um, Shep, I, I don't see how the Raptors could, could get into the top three anymore. I do think they're battling with Boston and Philly in that four, five, six zone. But I also think some teams in the East are, are coming. Um, I don't know where Indiana is, but I think Washington has improved considerably uh, with Westbrook and uh, the young draft pick uh, out of Israel, Abuja. Um, I think Atlanta has made some intriguing moves. So Atlanta's a dangerous one. I, I think wins are going to be harder to come by this year. You know, the Raptors will have zero home court advantage uh, playing, you know, down in Tampa Bay. Um, I think if they if they finished fourth and got, you know, not that home court's going to mean much, but if they were a, a home court team in the first round of the playoffs, would would have to be considered a fair expectation, even even that might even be an overachievement. I do see them as a playoff team, but I wonder if they will be able to get out of the first round. They've advanced past the first round every year since 2015. Um, let's, uh, one thing I want to do in terms of talking about the Heat and the Celtics, uh, which was the East Finals last year, and I thought it was a superbly competitive series, where do those two teams stand? Let, let's say, Andy, that the Heat and the Celtics meet in a second-round playoff series this year, or per, perhaps an East Finals. Would the result be the same? Is Miami still the, the best playoff team in, in that matchup? Same outcome. Same outcome. I think they treat the regular season like the playoffs. I think that's just how the Miami Heat are built. You know, they added a, a defensive specialist in Avery, Avery Bradley, so they only stand to get tougher on the perimeter. Uh, added a guy like Mo Harkless, you know, who's a good uh, jack of all trades kind of guy, and you know, keeping the same guy and their unwillingness to trade, you know, put Tyler Hero in trade packages. I think that just gives them an infinite amount of confidence in what the organization uh, and how they believe in them, and then that gives them uh, the edge in a playoff series against the Boston Celtics team that, that's kind of wavered more or less in, in tight situations. 
Um, they're more or less the same team. Uh, obviously, you know, with the addition of, of Tristan and, and Jeff Teague, I think it's a very interesting and dynamic duo. Uh, but I think the guys in place, uh, you know, they they just kind of have that, you know, they don't have that get over the hump mentality, I don't think. And I think they have great individual guys, but as a team, I think Miami just outweighs that. I couldn't agree with Andy more. You know, I share the same sentiments is that you can have the same results. Miami only got better because they, you know, they prided themselves on, on defense and you add Avery Bradley into the mix who, you know, that's been his MO. He's gotten, gotten came into the league. So, um, you know, this team here just only stands to get better. They kept, you know, their unit solid. I mean, they're going to, Crowder obviously is going to be a loss, but um, I think the fact that you have Butler really pushing these guys and leading these guys, and he doesn't lead them just by, you know, in statistics categories. He leads them in heart, and he's, and he's very vocal. I had a, you know, brief conversation with Kyle Alexander, who was on the roster with them last year, uh, Toronto kid, and he said, no, he's a great guy, but he's, he, he leads, and he's going to let you know. He's thinking he's going to let you know what he feels, and I think that doesn't leave anything for questions. So, you're going to get the same results. And, and, and Boston, to me, like you said, and they, they need to prove something now. And I, and I think, you know, the thing with them, they don't have a guy that really takes things on his shoulder, takes the responsibility on his shoulder when they need to get over the hump. So I think that's going to be, you know, the biggest thing for them. Quick question for you guys. Go ahead. You're starting an organization. Who do you, who, uh, who do you take as a head coach? Uh, do you take Brad Stevens or do you take Eric Spolstra? It's a great question. I, I, I think, Steve, look, Stevens, Spolstra, Nick Nurse are really, to me, at the head of the class of, of what I would call the young young guns in, in coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I, would be, I would be happy starting a, a franchise with any of the three of them. But look, you, you, have, to look at, uh, you have to look at Spo uh, with what he's – I mean, had LeBron. But to, to yeah. get him to the NBA Finals last year – um, I, th- I think he just has a little bit more on his resume right mm-hmm. now than than Nick Nurse. You know, Spolstra, you know, had LeBron and that helped get the results, but he's also proven he can coach a guy like that year after year after year. I mean, he, Spolstra's been to the NBA Finals five years in a row. If I'm answering the question, I think I'm starting my franchise with Spo as the coach. Why are you guys? Is that is that who the announcement is? Is the Blackjack? They're getting Eric. <laughs> Wishful thinking. Love it. <laughs> Shep? I'm going with Spo. Yeah. <laughs> going with Spo. He's under that, that Pat Riley family tree, that Pat Riley reg- regimen. So um, if I want to establish culture, I'm going with Spo. I think, I think Shep paused there because I kind of, I think I just made the announcement for the Blackjacks. Eric Spolstra. coming <laughs> for you guys. I like it. Just kidding. Uh, one more quick question before we get to your, your top eight in the East, guys. Um, the Sixers, uh, I thought they were a huge disappointment last year, and that's why Brett Brown got fired. Um, I thought the year before when they lost to the Toronto Raptors in a game seven on a miraculous shot by Kawhi Leonard, I actually thought they were overachieving at this point. So you've had one year of each. Are they a better team this year under Doc Rivers, Shep? Uh, they are a better team on the Doc Rivers because he's gonna—he's a motivator, and I think that's what these guys need to 
you know, get a kickstart. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's, it's tough to say. Too early to say. Okay. Andy, is it too early for you to say? I think they indefinitely got better. I, I think they were just in a, a, a perpetual state of, of just static. I think they were a good team that just didn't know how to get past, you know, being mediocre. And I think that, you know, bringing Doc in, he kind of changes, changes the face of Chaz. He knows what to do with star power. I think he's going to make the dynamic of Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid work at any cost. Uh, and I think they're, you know, he's a guy that they're willing to listen to. It's important that you have a coach that guys can relate to and and want to want to play for. And I think that that's what he'll be to them. Very nice. Yeah, I I think Doc Rivers is going to make a huge difference. Um, and I I I'm not a huge huge Ben Simmons guy, but I like the fact that they're sticking with their guns. They're sticking with Embiid. They're sticking with Ben Simmons. And look, I wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to get James Harden onto that roster at some point during the season. Okay, let's go through. Uh, I want to cut you off, but they do have yeah. Danny Green, and he seems to find his way into finals every year somehow. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Say what you want about Danny Green, three NBA championships with three different teams. You know, so, he, He's a two-time champ right now. <laughs> Give me your top, your top eight in the East. No, no, no. We're not doing this. We already did our Western Conference. We're going straight to you for your top eight in the East. Mine? Okay. Okay. We'll do. We'll do my top eight. I got. Uh, I have Milwaukee finishing first in the regular season because that's what they do. I have Brooklyn two, Miami three, Boston four, Toronto five, Philadelphia six, Indiana seven. Actually, I have Washington seven and Indiana eight. And in the East Finals, I have Brooklyn, Miami. Okay, 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 okay. So, so, so okay, I, I have to change that. I, I have to say Brooklyn, Milwaukee in the East Finals. Okay, I like that. According to my okay. topic. So okay. I have... Go ahead. Let's go, let's hear it. Oh, who's up? Who, you got Shep. AR or me? Yeah, AR. You go, you go. Come on, Shep went Shep, first. Okay, I'll go, okay, I'll go, okay, I'll okay. go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got... The Bucks at one. I got Brooklyn at two. I got. I got. I know you want to say Toronto, Chef. I'm at three. Want to say it. I have Toronto at three. <laughs> I have Miami at four. Boston at five. Wow. Wait, did I say Brooklyn yet? I said Brooklyn at two. Yeah, yep. Okay, just making sure I got that out there. Seventy six at six, and. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put. Wish Washington at seven. Hornets at wow. eight. The Hornets. I mean, I know I'm we love Daniel Mitchell, but come on, man. I'm doing the Hornets. They've been flirting with that nine spot the last two years. So, I mean, you add Hayward. You have a. You have a. You know, a young stud that's gonna fill some. Well, if we ever get to have season, already got broken finger. Okay. Um, and they have a remain, they're going to remain in the friend zone with the playoffs for a long time to come. Wow, that's where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andy, let's get your top eight. Okay, I like Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Miami, Boston, Philly, Toronto, Washington, and Indy. And I think in saying that, I think Toronto is where they want to be. I think that they've always been a team who's like being the underdogs, like being underrated, and they'll fly in under the radar and you know, probably sneak up to a third or fourth spot by the end of it. 
Okay, there you go. And we'll, we'll throw in our producer, Dan Wong's top eight for the record. He's got Bucks, Brooklyn, Boston, Miami, Toronto in the five slot, like I have them, Washington, Philly, and Indiana Pacers. Okay, that's the show and our 2021 NBA season preview. Best of luck to all the teams in the league. And best of luck to all our listeners with your own predictions and fantasy teams. May the NBA pull off this season in the safest and most healthy manner. Special thanks to our producer extraordinaire, the aforementioned Dan Wong. Check him out on Twitter at Dan Wong Says. Don't forget to check out his other podcast, Footy Prime, which now is doing live broadcasts on Facebook. So Dan's going to have to get us on that train eventually. Give that a view, Footy Prime, the podcast, Facebook, Spotify, all that stuff. Uh, Thanks for listening to Jim Rats and Joints. Check out our social media, Twitter at Jim Rats Podcast. Um, also on Instagram at Jim Rats Podcast. We will have another episode after the NBA tips off next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.